Amen. Thank you. Well, officially, good morning. <clears throat> it is good to be here this morning. And um, as I'm listening to Jackie talking about seeing Jenny's notes and Jeff's notes, and I'm thinking, I have no notes, <laughs> musical notes on my paper, but we might just get a page count, maybe. She's good like this. She's good like this. So it's great to be together this morning in worship. And uh, we are continuing in our uh, sermon series, um, You've Got a Friend in Me, based on the Toy Story uh, series. And uh, I, I grew up one of three, one of three, and I know uh, many of you have siblings, but one of three, and I have two younger brothers. And, um, you know, as most siblings, we always joke which one is the favorite, right? And oftentimes I'll go, oh, I'm the favorite. No, he's the favorite. You know how all that goes. And... Um, uh, growing up in, in the town that we grew up in, I grew up in Vandalia, you know, everybody knows what your, what your birth order is, right? But now that we've become adults, you know, we'll be out and about and I'll maybe meet friends of theirs or colleagues or whatever, and I introduce myself and I often say, I'm the younger sister. I'm the younger sister. It's amazing what hair color will do for a, a woman or a man. Um, and then I have three kids of my own, two boys and a girl, and uh, it, it's funny how some things just don't change, right? They have this ongoing debate of who the favorite is, right? And now that I'm on the other end of that, it drives me crazy because I'm like, you know, you treat everybody the same. You would never want anybody to think that. And um, so anyway, my, my uh, oldest son just became a father, which has just been such a, such a joy uh, for me. But I'm like, see, now just wait till you have another one, and you tell me how that feels when you're kids tell you, oh, you like him more than me. So anyway, it's, it's, just, um, it's just funny. But, uh, but as we um, uh, wrestle with how many of us have um, siblings, right, I, I can't help but think of how that translates uh, when we have a kingdom view of family, a kingdom view of family, when we are all God's children, right? We're all God's children. So again, we're continuing our series uh, with Toy Story, and uh, we know that, that um, Woody is Andy's favorite toy. And then uh, we know as, as the storyline continues that when uh, a new toy comes uh, into the toy box, so to speak, Buzz Lightyear, um, uh, we realize that he's a little bit threatened by uh, whether or not he is still uh, Andy's favorite or not. And as the movie and storyline continues, uh, we find that Woody is more secure in knowing his place in Andy's heart. Uh, however, uh, Andy continues to grow up as, uh, as each movie progresses, and life changes, right? It's just like all of us. We, we all uh, grow up. Uh, in, the, in the movie, there's a toy called Stinky, and I'm like, what the heck kind of a name is Stinky for a toy, right? And Stinky uh, is, is the prospector. He's also called Big Ugly Man Doll. Now, how does, that, how does that make your confidence feel, right? Big, ugly man doll. And he addressed this, addresses this issue of Andy growing up. And he says to Woody in the movie, how long will it last, Woody? How long will it last? Do you think that Andy's going to take you to college or his honeymoon? Andy's growing up, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. We find in the book of Matthew uh, how God feels about children through the words of Jesus. Here are these words from Matthew. Uh, I am in the 18th chapter, uh, second verse uh, through the fourth verse. Here are these words. He, he called a little child to him and placed him among them. He's gathering, he's in this teaching moment. So he gathers a little child and, and, and places a child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom 
of heaven. So what does this mean? What does this mean? I uh, once was a teenager, once was a child, a toddler, and a baby. And I don't particularly want to go back, right? I don't particularly want to go back. But Jesus has this deep message in his teaching. Um, Think about it when you were a child. Who cared for you? Who were the people that cared for you? You see, children represent humility and dependence. Humility and dependence. No worries. They know that their parents will take care of them. Some of you are parents. Your kids know you're going to take care of them. You had parents. You knew your parents were going to take care of you. So is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is our forever parent, our forever parent. Uh, Even when we grow up, when we go to college, build a career, uh, for some of us start a family and become independent of our parents. That's the goal, right? I uh, moved two kids out of UC uh, yesterday all day, and let me just tell you, I can walk. This is a miracle today, up and down those steps, right? Anybody move kids out of apartments, right? And so that's the goal, is for our kids to become independent of us. But as we grow and mature, God's desire is not that we become independent of him, but to remain dependent on him. You hearing me? that we remain dependent on him no matter how grown up we are. That's not supposed to change. You see, we always need our heavenly daddy. And one of the best things about uh, parents is that they're always there to listen to, to talk to, to love, and to give advice when needed. You see, we find this through prayer, through those that he sends into our lives. An instruction that is found in the book God authored called the Bible. Called the Bible. You see, Jesus came to restore relationships between God and his children. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And in his ministry, he taught and he healed. He cast out demons and he walked beside those when no one else would. He chose 12 men to do life with, to teach about the kingdom of God and and, uh, how they could do things Uh, by the power of Jesus' name. James and his brother John were two of those disciples. Our message today is, does God have favorites? I just love that. Does God have favorites? And as you read through John's gospel, uh, his own account of Jesus' ministry, he tells uh, his story in an uncanny way, uh, describing himself in different parts of the narrative, Uh, almost as if to say, if Jesus had a favorite, I would be the one. Uh, Read through the book of John. It's interesting how he refers to himself. He doesn't say myself or this person and I. Um, He has just very specific ways of describing himself uh, throughout his gospel. So I just wanted to share a couple of those accounts with you this morning. Uh, The first is the account of uh, John's account of the Last Supper, which is pretty cool today. We get to, probably pretty cool is not the right word to say in church. Is it about communion? But it's still, it's pretty cool. We're uh, celebrating communion, uh, the recounting of the Last Supper. And uh, this is what John says in John 13, verses 21 to 26. He says, after he had said this, uh, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So we uh, are right now in the upper room, if you can uh, envision that with me, and they're gathered around a table, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. Just imagine uh, what that must have felt like around the table. And his disciples stared at one another at a loss, um, which meant... um, you know, they were just absolutely lost, not knowing which one that he was talking to. And you can just imagine they're around the table and all the fingers went on the nose. Not it, not it, right? Which one's it going to be? They're all saying, not it, not me. 
And one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, here, this, this is where we're starting out with John, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, okay, was reclining next to him. You can just see John, he's reclining. Simon Peter noticed uh, this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. And Pete says to, to John, okay, I'll ask him who it is. I'll ask him who it is. And leaning back against Jesus, all cool-like, right? You can just see John. He asked him, he said, Lord, Lord, who is it? Lord, who is it? Like, hey, I'm your beloved. You can tell me. And Jesus answered, it's the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas. Gave it to Judas. And then we have another account uh, at, at the cross. And this is a moment, um, a moment that some of us uh, even envision on our deathbed. Who's going to take care of our loved ones when we're gone? I have a, a girlfriend who's been a friend for over 20 years, and we were together uh, one time, and she had shared um, that when her time comes, that she wants a few people around um, the bedside with her when she goes on to glory. And she mentioned that I was one of those people. Not because of my vocation, but because of our friendship. You see, John was that person for Jesus. And that person that he says, I want you to take care of my mama. I want you to take care of my mama. Hear these words in John 19, 25 to 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And then another account is at the tomb. And we find this in John chapter 20. Hear these words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. And both were running, but the other disciple ran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, and both were running, but he, outran, but he outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John always refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved or the other disciple. A few weeks ago, uh, I was up in Dayton to hear one of my favorite speakers. His name is Mike Pilavachi, and he is from uh, the UK, and he is hysterical and but incredibly deep. So any chance I can get to hear him live, uh, I tried to get to go and, and to hear him. So he spoke a bit on this passage, and it just had me in stitches, because I don't know about you, but sometimes you can read a passage and uh, somebody sees something totally different than, than you do. And um, so I um, have always looked at this passage um, as the miracle of the resurrection, right? And I missed John tooting his own horn in this passage. You see, Peter and John, they get the news from Mary, right? They get the news from Mary that Jesus is gone and the tomb is empty. 
And I would envision uh, the tomb is over here in, in this place, and you know she's running, she's trying to find them. She comes upon uh, John and Peter, and, and she's telling them the news, and I'm sure they're perplexed, like, oh my gosh, what do you mean the tomb is empty? He died, you know, we buried him, the, uh, Jesus is gone, the tomb is empty. And, and it's a race, right? It's a race to see who can get there first. And I can't help but wonder what was left out in this gospel account. You know, what words were exchanged between Peter and John? Like, hey, he loved me more. No, he loved me more. And I'll beat you there. And it was a dead sprint, a dead sprint to see who get to the tomb first. Here are these words out of verse 4. Both were running, okay? Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John wants us to know that he won. He wants us to know that he won. And then he goes on to say, even says after he had been there for a while, like, hey, where you been, Pete? Where you been? He had been there for a while. He looked around, and then, and then Peter arrived and went in as well. Like, hey, man, where you been, right? Then Peter arrived. Another account is uh, after the resurrection, after the resurrection. And they're, they're on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the disciples, they're on the lake and they're fishing. They went back to doing what they knew to do, right? They were fishermen before they became disciples of Jesus. So they went back to what, uh, what they knew. Here are these words from John 21, 4 through 7. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the, the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, and he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. You see, Peter hadn't seen Jesus since his death and resurrection. And we gather from John's gospel, from his perspective, that he's right there with Peter and Jesus, soaking in the whole situation. It's a moment of redemption for Peter and commissioning to care for the flock. Here are these words from John 21, starting verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he, he said to Simon, son of John, a.k.a. Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple, whom Jesus loved, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back at the, at the uh, supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? You see, John is taking us back to that very first account that I mentioned, just in case we forgot the situation and we forgot who John was, right? He wants to make sure we know 
but he's the favorite, and he was there at the uh, table of the Last Supper. And then Jesus answered Peter. He says, if you want to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Verse 21, just before that, when Peter asked the Lord, what about him? What about him? So clearly, um, you can see that they are following each other. Uh, John is very much a part of the situation because he's able to record the conversation between Peter and Jesus. And Peter says, what about him? What about him? And Jesus responds to Peter's response. If you want to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. You see, sometimes we get caught up with what everyone else is doing. For John, I believe that he truly loved Jesus and that Jesus truly loved him, but he was competitive. He was a bit narcissistic. He had to be in the know, and he seemed to want to elevate himself with Jesus with the other disciples. But in spite of all these things, Jesus called him personally to come and to follow him, and he does that today. In all of our imperfections, our hang-ups, our quirks, our competitive nature, he calls you and he calls me to follow him. You see, Jesus, he shuts Peter down when he inquires about John. Jesus answered, if you want to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. You see, we can't worry what everyone else is doing or what they're doing. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. I want to circle back to, uh, to Toy Story. One of the things that uh, I love about Andy and his favorite action figure, Woody, is how Andy forever declares his love for Woody as his beloved. And he does that by writing his name, Andy, on the bottom of Woody's boot. You see, you have a God who loves you so much that he writes his name on the bottom of your boot a shoe, a sandal you may be wearing today, or whatever it is that's on your feet. And he claims you as his favorite. You see, he has a whole kingdom of favorites, and you are one of them. Jesus reminds us to keep your eyes on him and not to worry about someone else's shoes, so to speak. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, and we thank you for John's gospel. We thank you for who he was in you. And God, we just uh, sometimes resonate with John. Sometimes we act in ways that we want to make sure that we're noticed. But Jesus subtly reminds, just keep your eyes on me and don't worry about the person next to you, beside you, in front of you, behind you. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. God, I pray for those people in our lives. I like to describe them as uh, EGR folks, extra grace required. We've all got them. And, and I sense that John was one of those EGR folks. 
but yet so devoted to you, Jesus, so devoted to you. So I pray for patience and grace that we have with one another, but also the security of knowing where we stand with you. As you call us your favorite, as you call us your beloved and your chosen. And that on those days where we feel a little bit down, just to look at the bottom of our shoe and see the letters G-O-D and to know that God claims you and loves you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen.